The Stinkin' Truth Podcast is presented by Core Water. He spent 12 years in the NFL. You can't trust a guy that gyrates his hips after he scores. Has three Super Bowl rings, made multiple Pro Bowl appearances, over 16 years of broadcasting between ESPN and Fox Sports. And that's why I'm the greatest football player and best sports analyst ever. He's a soap opera star. That's pretty, uh... I can't remember what I was supposed to say. <laughs> As a reoccurring role on HBO Ballers. Mark Slareth, handsome son bitch, get out here. And makes one hell of a bowl of green chili. It's Mark Slareth, and this is the Stinking Truth Podcast. Hey, welcome into the Stinking Truth Podcast. Your host, Mark Slareth, along with my co-host, Mike Evans, Scott DeHuff, on the board. Want to thank our presenting sponsor. That's a great people over at Core Water, pH balanced water, ultra purified and balanced with electrolytes that match your body's natural pH level of 7.4, the pH where your body performs at its best. And they've really helped me out in the gym. It's why I'm so freaking swole right now. I'm telling you what, I am large. Award-winning, crisp, clean taste, wide mouth bottle, uh, easy to hydrate, easy to just get a bunch of water down your suck hole, for crying out loud. You can uh, find Core Water at your neighborhood, 7-Eleven, the one with the big blue cap. That's Core pH Balance Water. I love this stuff. Learn more at HydrateWithCore.com. Mike, how are you, buddy? Man, Mark, I am still blown away, just like, just gobsmacked at what I heard from Bill Belichick the other day. I- I've... I've never heard him so fired up. I've never right. heard him so loud. You know, you know what I say, Mike. The unmitigated passion. I, it that- was, it was awe-inspiring. This is what he had to say about a, a question that was raised about uh, Khalil Mack as a, as a pass rusher. Here it is. Bill, you've seen a lot of good pass rushers in your career, starting with Lawrence Taylor, Reggie White. Does Mack sort of rank up there? One of the better ones you've seen. No oh, way, Mike. We're talking about Lawrence Taylor now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not putting anybody in Lawrence Taylor's class. So, you put everybody down below that. that. That's with a lot of respect to a lot of good players now, but we're talking about Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> I mean, like, from the top rope. The unbridled passion and, and enthusiasm there. I've never heard, heard him like that. That he could actually discern the words from his mouth. It just wasn't. I mean, you could actually hear him say Lawrence Taylor a couple of times. Man. Oh. Man, oh, man. I'm not putting anybody in Lawrence Taylor's class. Woo! Hey, but yeah. I got to tell you, having played against Lawrence Taylor, I'm with him. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> not only that, like, you can't intimidate today in today's game with the way the rules are bent toward offensive numbers and making this league a fantasy football league like you could when Lawrence Taylor was playing. Lawrence Taylor was frightening. I mean frightening. Just down the line of scrimmage, frothing at the bit, just ready to shorten your neck or murder your quarterback. I mean, it just and, – and back then you could murder a quarterback. You wouldn't get charged. There was no like you didn't get charged for that. You could just slam that dude, pick him up, and put him on his head. Um, yeah, he was he was frightening. As a matter of fact, we got to the point game planning for Lawrence Taylor. First thing, you're sitting in the meetings Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and you're like, okay, um, here we're gonna run this play. How are we gonna block fifty six? Okay, now we're gonna do this. How are we gonna block fifty six? What are we gonna do about fifty six? Like every single play you game planned 
for 56. And we got the point. I'll never forget, it was probably my rookie year. We ran a counter away from Lawrence Taylor. And so he got penetration in the backfield. He jumped over three people. Gerald Riggs went 40-some yards down the sideline. I mean, a big win. And we're going in to, you know, to, to be able to kick, like, the winning field goal in, late in the fourth quarter. Lawrence Taylor jumped over three people, made two people miss on a swim move, took off down the middle of the field at an angle. Gerald Riggs caught him 40-some yards down the field, stripped the ball, and, took, and, and the Giants took over. Two plays later, they kick a field goal. You know, I mean, to win the game. He, we got to the point in Washington where we said, screw it. You can't run away from the guy, and you can't block him in pass pro. So let's just run at him every single play and just try to wear the guy out. And I'll never forget, like, breaking the huddle. I mean, I called him Mr. Taylor. <laughs> Literally, I did. Seriously? I, oh, hell yes. I called him. Like, we were running. We'd run counter. And I, like – I break the huddle, and you just kind of peek out of the side of your helmet, like you just move your eyes. You didn't want to look down there because if you looked into his eyes, you know you just pissed down your leg. Like it would just, <laughs> you'd be so scared. Like so, I didn't want to look. I just want to peek to make sure. Like, is he down there? Is he only in the line of scrimmage? You're like, oh shit, he's down there. And I just knew, like I pull on counter, and I just fly down the line of scrimmage. And the whole time I'm thinking, this is going to hurt me a lot more than it's going to hurt him. And you, I mean, you have these epic collisions, and he just—I mean, he just uncoil on your ass and just wah, and then and it was a huge hit, and you're hurt like your neck and everything else, and he'd just be like, "Hey, good hit," you know, and he'd go take off and you know get downfield, make a tackle or whatever. But I'll never forget, we put in a play. I'm playing for the Skins, and you know, I mean, this is just like I said, this is just brain damage. Like you're running down the line, a line of scrimmage, and he's just gonna light you up. And so we put in this play, we called it counter outside. So I come screaming down the line of scrimmage like I'm going to hit him. And I, at the last second, I bubble out and miss him. And then the tackle that is running behind me was Joe Jacoby cuts him. And we were a team that never cut anybody when I played in Washington. So we do the play. The first time we run, I, I just about the point of contact, I slip him. And I go up, and I'm I'm in charge of taking the whoever the force player is, whether it's a safety or a corner, right? So I get on the safety. We get 12 yards, and Jacoby comes down and cuts me, or cuts him behind me. And we get, like, 12 yards, and I'm so happy because now I don't have to hit Lawrence Taylor. I get a hit of safety, right? I mean, this is, like, a good thing for me. And so we spin around. We get 12 yards, and he's hunting me up, man. And he is MFing me, Mike. Like, you mother effing. <laughs> you, like, oh, like I was like literally it's just he I'm thought serious. you cut him no no he knew I I set him up okay. so the other guy could cut him and he's like listen mother effer you know and I was like oh he's gonna kill me <laughs> dude literally pissed down my leg so scared so that's how it started you pissing during Yo, oh my gosh he was like he was so good he was frightening so if- he was you know what he was Mike you know what the the big deal is now is these Marvel movies, right? Mm-hmm. These superhero like the Wolverine, you know, I think Aquaman is coming out. You know, you had the uh who's the guy that flies around the, the like Superman? On, no, the suit. He puts on the suit. Superman? No, 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 no. No, I don't Iron like Man. Superman. Oh, Iron Man. 
<laughs> As Superman, I think Superman, okay, this is going to be nerdy because I don't know, but I think like he's DC. I'm talking Marvel. Oh, I see. Yes, you're right. Yeah. yeah. yeah good, um, good call. Deadpool. Yeah. yeah. Like, like Lawrence Taylor was a living version of a superhero. Back, Like, you put on the film, and he was like a Marvel superhero before there was Marvel superheroes in movies. Like, that's what he looked like. He would do things that you'd just be like, rewind that. Rewind that again. Rewind it again. Like, that's impossible. How does he do that? I'm curious how he would how it would work in today's game. Would he be even more dominating, more scary, because offensive line play sucks like it, compared to right. what it used to? Or would he be less because of all the rules designed to benefit the offense and especially to protect the quarterback? Well, I think I think probably because in our day there were a lot of seven step drops, there were a lot of, you know, reading out the progression. It just wasn't go from this side to this side. It was read one, two, three, then get to your backside four, five. Like I, I think that that the way offense is structured where you only have what maybe eight legitimate pass rushing opportunities a game, eight to twelve maybe, depending on how the game is going, to where in his day you probably had 20 legitimate pass rushing opportunities so the effectiveness would would probably even with bad offensive lines um i think you'd have less opportunities and then the intimidation factor would be different because i mean you're not allowed you're not allowed to eat onions pregame and breathe on a quarterback you're going to get 15 yards so like that part there's less intimidation factor because frankly the game is shied away from it you're not allowed to hit him like that anymore so i think probably i i don't want to say less i mean i don't want to say just because you know i don't want him to listen to this podcast and then bump (laughs) into him at a golf tournament and have him whip my ass i'm just frightened he's still frightening i saw him last year i was calling a game in miami and he's staying at the same hotel i'm staying at and i'm like literally he gets out of a car and i'm walking down the stairs because we're we're going over to uh you know, the, the visiting team's hotel to do interviews, and he's just coming off the golf course, and I'm walking down the stairs, and he steps out of the car, and I, like, literally tinkled in my pants a little bit. <laughs> I did. And he's like, hey, Mark, how you doing? And I was like, hi, Mr. Taylor. <laughs> Big splotch in the front of my pants. <laughs> well, the uh, Belichick comments, because talking about Khalil Mack, Patriots, and Bears, and this to me is, is a fascinating game because – I, I can only imagine how this game is being talked up in that Chicago locker room. The idea of, man, if you're looking for that signature win, if you're looking for that we've arrived win, mm-hmm. boy, you couldn't ask for a better opponent. coming to your play, Soldier Field, this week in New England. Yeah, interesting. Isn't it interesting? Coming to your place, um, your quarterback, we're still trying to figure out who your quarterback is played that exceptional game where he threw six touchdowns last week. Um, you know, he played a pretty good game, but they ended up losing that game to the Dolphins um, late. Really wasn't his fault, but um, it just is interesting. I think the other thing about about the New England Patriots is they just got to see this offense in Kansas City the other day. They won that game 40-43. to And so that's, you know, the same offense you're going to be facing – with less dynamic weapons. So you just had a warm-up test against that offense, Mike. 
um, which I think bodes pretty well for you if you're the Patriots. But in regards to Chicago, you're 100% right. You, If you can come away with a victory here against the New England Patriots and Tom Brady, it's got to do wonders for your confidence. At home, you know, you do those things. It'll, it'll be interesting to see exactly how they approach this game um, because, you know, as as quirky – quirky is probably not the right word, but as – as diverse as they are on the offensive side of the ball, I think one thing they've they've lost, Jordan Howard is a battering ram. Jordan Howard is a really good back, and he just isn't getting a lot of – it just doesn't feel like he's getting a lot of opportunity to me. I mean, here's a guy that is big, that's physical, that's been, you know, that's been exceptional over the last couple of years, a guy that you would just think, hey, let's, you know, let's give this guy – Let's give this guy the ball a ton. Last week, 14 carries, 69 yards, averaging, you know, essentially five yards a carry, Mike. He just, it just hasn't been, like, to me, it just hasn't been a, a guy that you've got incredibly involved. And, you know, I, I know that you've put in a new offense and stuff, but that's a guy that it just feels to me like you need to have him more involved in in what you're doing on a on a regular basis than you've had him um so it's just kind of weird to me that they haven't used him like i i'm thinking they should or they could use him I mean, he's just too big and too physical to to not you know to not have him in there on a consistent basis you know you talk about your redskin days you know going up against lawrence taylor and, and i'm sure you got plenty of great stories about Cowboy games, you know, it's one of the great rivalries right. in the NFL. Dallas, Washington, here we go again. And boy, what, where where did that Dallas performance come from against Green Bay? I mean, against uh, Jacksonville, blew us all the way. Where you know to the point where literally last week we were talking about Jason Garrett being maybe the first coach in the eyes of Vegas oddsmakers to be fired. Now this week it's about whether or not he's going to get a contract extension. Right. I mean, you know, the whole contract, I mean, why not? Like, why not give him a contract extension? Because, like, he does what his owner tells him to do. Best I mean, employee ever. Right. I mean, like, my my thing is, you know, I've, I've had this conversation, and people are like, he needs to go, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, what are you going to replace him? I know one thing that's not going to happen. You're not going to empower the next coach you hire. So why not give him an extension? He does what you want him to do. You know, I mean, whoever you hire, you're going to circumvent that guy's authority anyhow. So he's never going to have the respect in the locker room that he probably needs to really run the football team. So what what the hell difference does it make? I mean, if you're not going to empower Bill Parcells how, who who are you going to empower? Nobody. The last time you had a coach that was truly empowered was Jimmy Johnson. What happened? You won three Super Bowls. Then you got rid of him because you wanted to be, you wanted the shine. You didn't want Jimmy to have the shine. You wanted the shine. And if you're not going to empower Bill Parcells, I mean, who are you going to empower? Nobody. I mean, so why not give him an extension? You know, I, I mean – that's that's kind of where I am on Jason Garrett. What happened? What happened is you had you had an epiphany, or you 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 came to the realization that hey, listen, 
we're not good enough outside with our receiving core. Our offensive line is not what it once was because of injuries and because of free agency and because of some of the other things that have happened. Um, And so what are we going to do? We understand that if we ask Dak Prescott to drop back in the pocket and lead us to the promised land, he's not, at this point, he's not skilled enough to do that. So we got to give our running back, Ezekiel Elliott, 25 carries a game. And then we also have to design um, another 10, ga- 10 rushes by our quarterback. So we got to, you know, the, the balance now is like, okay, we've got to create 35 to 40 rushing attempts of the 65 plays, and let's call it 25 pass plays. And of those 25 pass plays, um, half of them are going to come off of zone read play action concepts where we have one receiver in the route you know and or one or two and essentially what we're going to be able to do is to create right off the bat we're walking into this game with 12 automatic completions this, to me this is the RG3 offense that won him the rookie of the year um back in what was it 2012 this is what we're going to run now, in 2012, I think it was 2012 when he won the Rookie of the Year. I mean, I may be a year off or whatever it is. But um, I sat down with Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, a week ago and went over a bunch of that film. And of the, call it 3,200 yards that he threw for, Mike, of the, and again, I'm just guessing because I don't have my interwebs up, but 3,200 yards, 1,000 of it, 1,000 of that, so over like a third of his passing yards came off a concept called X drift. It's a one receiver route combination or one receiver route, and you're getting cover three, and because everybody's got an eight man box because you're running all that zone read stuff, right? And you you're throwing it to one guy, and he is running a, a about a twelve yard in cut on a cornerback who's in cover three. So you got one deep safety and a guy that's got outside shoulder leverage. It's an automatic completion. So you walk into the game and you say, okay, we're 12 for 12 on this play or eight for eight on this play. So all you have to do is be 50% on the other plays and you got a, a whatever that equals math wise. I'm not good at math, but let's call it 75% completion rate. You've got 200 yards passing. And you got two touchdowns and no picks. And that's how we're going to win football games. That's what they did last week, and it worked. And I imagine they're going to continue to do it this week because that's what they can do based on the decisions they've made outside the numbers with their receiving core and based on, call it regression, call it whatever you want, the lack of, the lack of stellar play from their young quarterback. So I got to get to one more game. I, I, I was trying to come up with something cute, you know, like the the spurned bowl or the blow off bowl, you know, whatever. But you know, the Broncos had a hard on for Kirk Cousins. He wasn't right. interested in him. The Jets had a hard on for Kirk Cousins. He wasn't interested in him. Uh huh. And he ends up in Minnesota. So now here we go. The trip to New York to play the Jets, where I don't know if the players really care about, it, but you know the fans are going to be all over Kirk Cousins. So how do you think he handles it? I think Kirk Cousins is a professional quarterback, man. I think he's legit. I think he's smart. I think he knows what to do with the football. I think he's become 
the leader of of that organization. I think they've accepted him that way. And I know he's super nice and I know, you know, he's a great, you know, interview and he's I mean that guy has got that kind of quarterbacking killer instinct to him. And so I think he relishes the opportunity to go into New York and come away with another victory. Like, this is a team that you can say whatever you want about the Minnesota Vikings. Um, what, what's their record right now? What's the record in Minnesota? Um, they got that tie. They're, what are they, 3-2-1? and one? Are they? 3-2-1? Yeah. Okay, so, so you look at them right now at 3-2-1. The two losses, their issues have not been on the offensive side of the ball, Mike. Their issues, their issues have been um, they haven't played great defense. This is one of the best. Remember, it was the best third down defense since 19, I think last year, since 1975 when it was the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, you look at them. I mean, think about this. They gave up only 16 points in a win to San Francisco to open up the season. They gave up 29 to Green Bay. They gave up 27 to Buffalo. They gave up 38 to the Rams. They gave up 21 to the Eagles in a win, and 17 last week to the Cardinals. The the you know that the you know, Cardinals are just offensively they're just been awful. So defense has been their their issue. Like I mean they they scored so far this season 24, 29, six only against Buffalo, 31 against the Rams. 23 and 27 and offense has not been an offensive production has not been their biggest issue um it has been defensively this stellar defense from a year ago has struggled and you know i mean they, they've had some players that they've lost at everson griffin who's a great player kind of freaked out and had the mental issues and he's been away from the team he's by far their best pass rusher so they've they've struggled in that regard but i think kirk cousins has been has been really good as advertised and you know me I thought I wanted him to become a Bronco because I thought he was by far you know the best choice at free agent quarterback and I and you know you know me I thought that this kid was even though he didn't win a lot of games in Washington um you know I thought he was great and and so and I'll stand by that I still think he is so um, anyhow, I, he, he'll go in there and he'll compete and I think they'll be good and they just got to get, you know, they've just got to get their defense together. Well, that, that's going to be fun to watch. I'm sure cousins will handle it like a pro, but I'm looking forward to seeing that New York crowd and what they got in store for cousins. Cause you know, they're going to come armed, you know, <laughs> you, well, you how know, dare, how dare you say no to us? Will they, will they bring their, uh, Latins and pitchforks? That's right. Pitchforks and Latins. Be a pitchfork and Latin crowd. Pitchfork and Latin crowd. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, listen, make sure you tune in a little later in the week. We're going to have our Moneymaker Picks. I think I'm taking a commanding lead on you. The Moneymaker Picks brought to you by the great folks at Budweiser. For everybody involved in the Stinking Truth Podcast, thanks so much for listening. I am Mark Slurth, Mike Evans, Scott Producer, Scott Producer, Scott the Huff Producing. Uh, we appreciate you guys. We'll be back later on in the week.